We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 267 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Wednesday, March 9th, 2022. It is the 25-year anniversary of the murder of the notorious B.I.G., a.k.a. Biggie Smalls, a.k.a. Biggie, real name Christopher Wallace, one of the great voices in the history of rap. Biggie, to me, is the Sean Taylor of hip-hop. Gotten way too soon, but exceptionally talented, and a guy who still made a great impact during his time with us. But this Wednesday, March 9th, 2022, also is the anniversary of something else. This is the 10-year anniversary of the RG3 trade. Yes, it was 10 years ago today that the NFL team, now known as the Commanders, agreed on a massive trade-up in the 2012 NFL Draft, a trade-up that ultimately yielded the team quarterback Robert Griffin III. And is it not fitting? Is it not appropriate? Is it not apropos? Is it not ironic? Is it not whatever you want to call it? That the 10-year anniversary of a blockbuster trade for the team now known as the Commanders happens the day after the Commanders failed to pull off a blockbuster trade for a quarterback. The team now known as the Commanders was desperate for a franchise quarterback 10 years ago. The team now known as the Commanders still is desperate for a franchise quarterback. Hello and welcome to a Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast of a monster Tuesday in the NFL regarding quarterbacks. First came the news that Aaron Rodgers is staying with the Green Bay Packers. Then came the news that the Seattle Seahawks reportedly are trading Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos and not to our commanders, despite our commanders reportedly having offered the Seahawks three first-round picks. Uh, There is so much to discuss with all of this. I will discuss it all next segment, including why truly were the commanders not able to make this trade? Was that more because the Seahawks wanted to trade Wilson to an AFC team, or more because Wilson preferred to go to the Broncos over the Commanders. Uh, I'll also address what now for the Commanders at quarterback, including whether the Commanders should try to trade for Packers quarterback Jordan Love, question mark. Uh, Also on the show, I will properly honor, properly commemorate, properly celebrate uh, the 10-year anniversary of the RG3 trade. Oh, don't worry. I'm not going to rehash everything that went on with the Redskins and RG3. That has been done many times. But I do want to address a few things regarding the trade. Among those things, uh, the many commonalities between the Skins in March 2012 and the Commanders here in March 2022, it's almost spooky how many things are the same. And I will talk Capitals on the show. Another regulation win for the Caps 
on Tuesday night as they began a three-game trip through Western Canada with a 5-4 win at the Pacific Division-leading Calgary Flames. Alex Ovechkin, two goals. He tied ex-cap Yarmir Yager for the third-most regular season goals in NHL history. Do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. If you don't already do that, subscribing costs you nothing and makes sure that you never miss an episode. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, please give the podcast a five-star rating and please write a brief one or two-sentence review saying how much that you like the podcast. You can also now give the podcast a five-star rating on Spotify. The five-star ratings and the written reviews help to make the podcast successful. Advertisers look at the ratings and the reviews, and I read the reviews. I appreciate the reviews, and the reviews are very well done. Uh, You guys are quite creative. Uh, I appreciate that. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. So much feedback off all of this quarterback stuff with the commanders. You know, if not for the quarterback stuff, we would have linebacker stuff to be discussing. News broke on Tuesday night that the Seahawks reportedly are releasing linebacker Bobby Wagner. So the Seahawks are in total rebuild mode, or at least they would appear to be in total rebuild mode. Uh, Also, the Buffalo Bills on Tuesday afternoon released linebacker A.J. Klein. A.J. Klein was taken in the fifth round of the 2013 NFL draft by the Carolina Panthers, who at the time had Ron Rivera as their head coach. Email from Rich on the commanders not trading for Russell Wilson. Writes Rich, Al, I bartended in college. This offseason brought back some memories. Russell Wilson was like the last available attractive girl at the bar at the end of the night. What is left are less desirable people. Uh, There are five or six guys drinking their beers, sizing up these people. And after another beer or two, these guys start to overvalue these remaining people. These guys try to rationalize these remaining people. These guys tell themselves, I can make this work at least for a little while. The people left at the bar are Jimmy Garoppolo, Mitchell Trubisky, and Marcus Mariota. I've seen this play out several times. Let's get a rookie in the draft. Is it too soon to talk about our 2023 draft prospects? Uh, Rich, it is never too soon to talk about the next NFL draft after this next NFL draft. Uh, Email from Vincent Marciano on Ron Rivera and the commanders potentially trading for Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson. Uh, yeah, that perhaps now is an even bigger focus. Uh, I talked quite a bit about the commanders potentially trading for Watson on Tuesday's show, episode 266. Writes Vincent, loving the podcast. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Vincent. Continues Vincent. I have a thought on Deshaun Watson and potential trade possibilities for him. It makes complete sense that teams would want to know the outcome of potential criminal indictments before moving forward with giving up assets for him. But I have one other issue surrounding this situation that would make me hesitant regarding trading for him. Specifically, it has been mentioned multiple times how he has preferred destinations, teams that he wants to be traded to. Even with everything going on in his personal life, he still feels entitled enough to dictate where he would like to play in the future. To me, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, that reeks of selfishness and entitlement. And to be honest with you, I'm not so certain that he, one, fits Ron's culture, and two, is someone who I want my team to mess with. It seems to me like even after all that has happened, his ego remains. Who's to say he won't want out of his next spot because of some petty reason? Seeing as how he almost immediately wanted out of Houston after signing his lucrative deal. In short, even considering how talented he is, I'm a no as far as trading for Deshaun Watson. Thanks for taking the time to read my email. Vinny, side note, each and every time I see or hear someone make the commies joke, all I can picture are four dads gathered together at a two-year-old's birthday party, slapping their knees and giggling once the joke is cracked. I think the commies joke has certainly run its course, LOL. Uh, Yes, Vinny, the commies joke has run its course. The joke has been made about 10,000 times, although the commies thing does offer opportunity for creativity. Uh, with a commander's fight song, as some of our emailers have shown. Anyway, you're not wrong to raise the entitlement issue 
with Deshaun Watson. I have talked about that. Now, you know, it should be made clear, Watson has a no-trade clause in his contract. That's why we are constantly hearing about whether Watson would be willing to go to Team X or Team Y. Well, that has to be determined because, again, he has a no-trade clause in his contract. But I will give credit to my pal, Dr. Sabah, uh, aka Taylor Heineke's court-appointed attorney. She, a long time ago, before the Deshaun Watson legal situation even came up, remarked to me how Watson, having felt entitled with the Texans, was a turnoff. The thing with Watson and the Texans is tricky. On the one hand, the Texans are a mess and now have been a mess for years. Uh, The organization has been dysfunctional. The organization has made a number of really bad player personnel moves. And the organization is run by this guy, Jack Easterby, who is the Texans executive vice president of football operations. And who, if you read about him, has a lot of parallels with Bruce Allen during Brucey's time with the Redskins. So I am sympathetic and understanding to a certain extent of why Deshaun Watson has wanted more say-so with the Texans and why he has wanted out from the Texans. However, on the other hand, one of the things that has been reported many times is that Watson was upset with the Texans over his lack of involvement in the hiring of New England Patriots executive Nick Casario as Texans general manager. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, no player, even a franchise quarterback, should get to dictate who his team hires as a GM. Uh, That, to me, is not how an organization should operate. Now, again, the Texans have been messed up, and the reporting has been that Watson was told by the team's owner, Cal McNair, that Watson would have input in the GM hire and then didn't. So that may be what Watson is upset about more than anything, that he was lied to by Cal McNair. This stuff with Watson and the Texans in terms of Watson's unhappiness with the Texans is complicated. Personally, I'm willing to give Watson a benefit of the doubt when it comes to his unhappiness with the Texans, but I don't think you're wrong to have questions about this stuff. And when you combine those questions with the Deshaun Watson legal situation, well, yeah, uh, there's a lot to be thinking about with this guy if you are the Commanders. Email from Connor Davis on Ron Rivera's and the Commander's quest for a franchise quarterback. Writes Connor, I'm a Georgetown prep grad myself, class of 2013. I keep hearing about how Ron and the team want the fans to know that they are trying. They keep leaking out offers and statements like the list of 42 QBs and talking to all 31 teams, which doesn't even make sense. But why? This is just going to be one giant embarrassment. When we don't land a stud QB, we should be used to embarrassment by now. But why go through all of these theatrics? Also, it's never a good idea to advertise that you are desperate when you are about to buy the thing you need. I follow this team more closely than I follow other teams, but I don't hear the Steelers and Broncos making these statements. I think this is just a ploy to switch the narrative to Dan Snyder and the team being all in on winning. But when we strike out on trading for these elite QBs, because we will, it will just prove how we can't get out of this because we're such a joke to the rest of the league. Our only chance is to draft a QB who becomes great and hope that he wants to stay with us after his rookie contract is up. Do not forget we had a franchise QB a few years ago and we cha-cha-cha'd him out of town. We've become so bad that I wouldn't be surprised if some rookie QB would hold out and demand to be traded before ever playing a snap for this team. Can't wait to not go to Command Central in Dumfries, Virginia. (laughs) P.S. Our new name and uniforms still stink. Uh, Thank you for the email, Connor. Uh, Not a lot of optimism in that email from Connor. Uh, I do agree with Connor that the commander's best, most ideal path to a franchise quarterback is via the draft, especially now that Operation Russell Wilson has failed. Uh, The way to me to really address this the way that this needs to be addressed, and by this I mean the commander's search for a franchise quarterback, is the NFL draft. Uh, That way you get a guy who is young, who is hungry, who has major upside, who has little mileage on his body, and who is on a rookie contract. The problem 
is that there may not be a franchise quarterback in this year's NFL draft. Now, personally, that there may not be a franchise quarterback in this year's NFL draft is not a good enough reason to not take a quarterback in this year's draft. If you like somebody, take that somebody, even if doing so means trading up. Uh, Now, don't take a quarterback just to take a quarterback, but if you believe that a Malik Willis or a Kenny Pickett can be a franchise quarterback, then take the guy, because if that guy works out, you're golden. But the wild card in all of this always has been what the commanders think of the quarterback class in this year's draft. What if Rod Rivera, Martin Mayhew, Marty Herney, Chris Polian, Scott Turner, Ken Zampezi, and everyone else who plays a role in this don't like the quarterbacks in this year's draft? Uh, Furthermore, we know that there's an urgency for the team to win in the 2022 season. Ron has said as much. So that's why the commanders are leaking all of this stuff about how hard they're trying to get a franchise quarterback via trade. They want you, the battered, bruised, and oh-so-damaged commanders fan, to know that the team is trying. So if the team doesn't get a big-time franchise quarterback, uh, you're not mad at them. So please, Connor, don't be mad at the commanders, okay? They are trying. Well, for nearly 40 years, the law firm of Paulson and Nace hasn't just been trying, it has been doing. The lawyers of Paulson and Nace have represented plaintiffs in medical malpractice, drug and other product liability claims, as well as countless other personal injury matters, all the way through trial and jury verdicts, winning and securing multi-million dollar verdicts and settlements for clients. We're not kidding when we say if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace handles complex personal injury, medical negligence, and wrongful death cases throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. And Paulson and Nace is ready to represent you if you've been wronged. Also, know this about Paulson and Nace. If you own or run a Washington, D.C.-based or a West Virginia-based business, Paulson and Nace can help you with your business insurance policy if your business has suffered losses caused by the COVID-19 pandemic and resulting restrictions. You see, business insurance includes business interruption insurance. There may be legal options available to you to recoup your losses. Contact Paulson and Nace to find out more. The attorneys at Paulson and Nace can help you review your business insurance policy and understand what options you have. So whether you're dealing with a personal injury, medical malpractice, or business insurance situation, contact Paulson and Nace. Chris Nace is a past president of the D.C. Trial Lawyers. Matt Nace is a member of the board of the D.C. Trial Lawyers. These guys are great at what they do. Call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you, but see what Paulson and Nace can do for you. Schedule your no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Well, R.I.P. Aaron Rodgers to the Commanders. R.I.P. Russell Wilson to the Commanders. Uh, Someday we will perhaps laugh (laughs) at all of the talk in which we engaged for the first few months of the 2022 offseason regarding the Commanders potentially trading for Aaron Rodgers and especially Russell Wilson. But for now, we shall not laugh. Uh, we're more likely to cry than laugh, actually. Uh, Tuesday ended up being a huge day in the NFL as the first major quarterback domino of the 2022 offseason fell, and then another major quarterback domino in the 2022 offseason fell. So Tuesday morning, the news broke that Aaron Rodgers is staying with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, reports were that he was getting a new four-year two $100 million deal. Yes, four years, $200 million, $50 million per year, an average annual value and AAV of $50 million per year. It wasn't that long ago that $30 million per year for a quarterback 
was considered a ton of money. If you remember the Kirk Cousins cha-cha-cha uh, with our then Redskins, uh, that was a big item in that debate. Is Kirk worth $30 million per year? Well, Aaron Rodgers, per reports on Tuesday, set to get $50 million per year. Now, Rodgers on Tuesday afternoon did tweet the following, quote, Hey everyone, just wanted to clear some things up. Yes, I will be playing with the at Packers next year. However, reports about me signing a contract are inaccurate, as are the supposed terms of the contract I signed, and he put signed in quotation marks. I'm very excited to be back. Hashtag year 18, end quote. So we'll see what the Aaron Rodgers contract situation ends up being if he ends up getting the $50 million per year. But Aaron Rodgers is staying with the Packers. Uh, That's what I thought would happen. That's what I'm sure many of you thought would happen. And that's what is happening. He is not asking to be traded. He is not retiring. Now, among the teams that had been said to be a potential trade destination for Rodgers was the Denver Broncos. Uh, The Commanders, we know, were not one of those teams. ESPN NFL reporter Diana Rossini on the Kevin Sheehan show on the Team 980 on February 25th said that the Commanders were not among the teams that had made trade offers for Rodgers and that the Commanders were not on a potential destination list for Rodgers. However, the Broncos had kept coming up as a team that could trade for Rodgers. Well, on Tuesday morning, the news that Rodgers was staying with the Packers broke, and then, not so coincidentally, the Broncos on Tuesday afternoon agreed on a mega trade for a franchise quarterback, Seattle Seahawks quarterback, Russell Wilson. Yeah, so much for the Seahawks not trading Russell Wilson. So much for Wilson wanting to stay with the Seahawks. Now, the trade can't become official until the start of the NFL's new league year on Wednesday, March 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern, but the Broncos reportedly have agreed to trade two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a fifth-round pick, and three players, quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, and interior defensive lineman Shelby Harris to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson and a fifth round pick. And before we go further in terms of what all of this means for the commanders, I think that it is worth highlighting something. And that something is what has happened here with the Seahawks trading Russell Wilson is another example of how in sports, when there is smoke, there's almost always fire. And, you know, this common, like, beta, ninny, you know, weak, uh, lacking in testosterone approach that some people take of, oh, that's just the media making something up, or, oh, that's just the media fanning the flames, or, oh, that's just a media creation. No, what tends to be the case is that when there is smoke, there is fire. And there has been a lot of smoke with this Russell Wilson Seahawks situation for now two off seasons. And it turns out that there was indeed a fire for all of the talk of Russell Wilson doesn't want to be traded, for all of the talk of the Seahawks aren't going to trade Russell Wilson. No, they're trading Russell Wilson, okay? They're trading Russell Wilson. Remember this the next time that you hear or read that trade talk regarding a player is overblown or is, yes, a media creation. Uh, Russell Wilson was flirting with the idea of being traded, was flirting with other teams. I kept saying this on the podcast. He was doing this over the last two off-seasons. Russell Wilson is very image-conscious. The things that he was saying, he was saying in a particular way. It was clear to me, and I'm sure to many of you listening, that Russell Wilson was at least open to being traded. Now, remember, he has a no-trade clause, so he controlled most if not all of this. And there was just a lot over the last two off-seasons that suggested that he was open to being traded, if not wanting to be traded. Now, I had my doubts about whether he would actually ask to be traded, and it's not clear whether he asked to be traded or whether the Seahawks approached him with various trade opportunities. But it turns out that these suggestions regarding Russell Wilson uh, at least being open to being traded were, in fact, very telling. Uh, As for the Commanders, uh, well, (laughs) we'll always have that photo with Jonathan Allen. Now, won't we? Uh, Remember how all of this Commanders Russell Wilson stuff started? A photo, a photo on February 4th appeared on the Instagram account 
of the wife of Jonathan Allen, Hannah Allen. Uh, the photo was of Jonathan Allen, Hannah Allen, Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson's wife, the singer and actress Sierra, standing happily side by side on a football field in Las Vegas, or at least in the Las Vegas area, in the lead up to the Pro Bowl, which took place the following Sunday afternoon. Both Jonathan Allen and Russell Wilson were Pro Bowlers for the 2021 regular season. Now, Kevin Sheehan on his radio show on February 7th said that Russell Wilson, per sources, wasn't against being traded to the commanders. And that set off weeks of speculation of, hmm, Russell Wilson, to what extent is he an option for our commanders? Could it be, might it be, that the commanders will be pulling off a mega trade for Russell Wilson this offseason. We even had what emerged on February 22nd that Russell Wilson had changed his picture in his Twitter profile to a photo of himself in his high school football uniform while standing next to his dad. Wilson went to high school in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, Richmond, of course, is commander's territory. Uh, I go on radio in Richmond all of the time. I was actually just on radio in Richmond on Tuesday. Now, Russell Wilson's dad, Harrison Wilson, in case you don't know, uh, died of complications from diabetes in June 2010. So, you know, maybe this was just Russell Wilson paying homage to his father, but a lot of us took it as, well, Richmond, hey, Russell Wilson, come home, you know, come back to the Mid-Atlantic region and play for the team of the Mid-Atlantic region, or at least uh, the team that used to be the team of the Mid-Atlantic region, uh, the team now known as the Commanders. So we had all of these clues, uh, some of them more valid than others, okay? You know, but we had these clues, we had these like breadcrumbs as Commanders fans starving for a franchise quarterback, and we ate these things up, okay? We gobbled up all of these breadcrumbs as Commanders fans, and then came what came this past Friday, uh, this past late Friday afternoon, multiple reports that the commanders had made a trade offer to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson and that the offer had been rejected. Well, we on Tuesday afternoon off the breaking news of the Seahawks having agreed to trade Wilson to the Broncos, learned more about this commander's trade offer for Wilson. So what we knew going into Tuesday about the commander's trade offer for Wilson was that the offer per NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and NFL.com on late Friday afternoon involved multiple first-round picks. That's what we knew going into Tuesday. What we got on Tuesday afternoon were multiple reports that very much seemed to be coming from the commanders, but these reports did provide some more details on the offer. So Kevin Sheehan on Tuesday afternoon tweeted that the commanders had offered the Seahawks, quote, a more attractive package of draft picks than Denver did end quote, for Russell Wilson, and that the commanders had been willing to offer players as well, but that the Seahawks had made it clear that their preference was to trade Wilson to an AFC team. Uh, Kevin on Tuesday evening tweeted, quote, the more attractive package of picks Washington offered included three first rounders and at least one later round pick. No info on the players they would have been willing to deal. It never got to that stage because Seahawks were negotiating with preferred AFC team Denver, end quote. So that was interesting to see. Uh, NFL insider Albert Breer of the MMQB on Tuesday afternoon tweeted that the commander's offer to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson featured, quote, high picks in the next three drafts, end quote, but also that, quote, it became apparent to the commanders that Seattle preferred to trade him out of the NFC End quote. Uh, Commander's insider Ben Standig of The Athletic DC on Tuesday afternoon tweeted that the commander's offer to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson featured, quote, high draft picks, end quote, in the 2022-2023 and 2024 NFL drafts. But also that multiple NFL teams that had been exploring a trade for Wilson had told The Athletic that the Seahawks wanted Wilson out of the NFC. And then Ben Standing tweeted that the commanders had initially offered the Seahawks three first round picks for Russell Wilson. First round picks in 2022, 2023, and 2024. So if we're just trying to bottom line all of these reports in terms of what exactly did the commanders offer the Seahawks, clearly the commanders offered the Seahawks three first round picks and clearly the Seahawks preferred to trade Russell Wilson out 
of the NFC. Uh, again, there's not a doubt in my mind that at least most of this came from the commanders themselves. Maybe even Ron Rivera himself. We've been talking about this on the podcast. The commanders want you to know that they are trying, that they are trying hard to trade for a franchise quarterback. The commanders knew that there would be anger from the fan base over the team not trading for Russell Wilson. And so the team on Tuesday made it clear that the team had made a very attractive offer to the Seahawks, if not offers to the Seahawks, but that the Seahawks didn't want to trade Wilson to the commanders because they're in the NFC. Uh, Now, here's the problem with all of this. Russell Wilson has a no trade clause in his contract. Russell Wilson always had final say on if he was traded and to which team he was traded. That's the power that a no-trade clause provides to a player. So while I have no doubts that the Seahawks preferred to trade Wilson to an AFC team, uh, why wouldn't they? Understand the mechanics of this. Wilson has a no-trade clause. He could have nixed a trade to the Broncos. He didn't do that. He could have told the Seahawks no. I don't want to go to the Broncos. I will not approve a trade to the Broncos. I want to be traded to the Commanders. He didn't do that. He preferred the Broncos over the Commanders. And I don't want to hear anything about, well, the Seahawks didn't go to Russell Wilson with a trade offer from the Commanders. A, you don't know that. And B, Wilson always could have said, I don't want to go to the Broncos. I want to go to the Commanders. Now, Just because Russell Wilson preferred the Broncos over the Commanders doesn't mean that he, like, despised the Commanders, okay? Uh, It may well be that Wilson did not mind the Commanders, but he clearly preferred the Broncos over the Commanders. And to that end, consider the following. Albert Breer on Tuesday tweeted regarding Russell Wilson and the Broncos that the Broncos, per a source, were, quote, always his first choice, end quote. Ian Rappaport on Tuesday made it clear that Russell Wilson had chosen to be traded to the Broncos. In fact, this was Rappaport on NFL Network on Tuesday. For Russell Wilson, he had his choice here. We knew that there were several teams that inquired with Seattle to potentially try to trade for Russell Wilson. Washington Commanders were one of them. There was at least one more team that told Seattle, uh, we want to come and trade for Russell Wilson. He had a no trade clause, which really is the big hammer here. This is something that gives Wilson control over where he goes. He wanted to go to Denver. This was his preferred location in part uh, because of the roster, the young receivers. I pretty baller defense, a new young coach in Nathaniel Hackett, who obviously had so much success, uh, obviously had so much success uh, with Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson wanted to be a member of the Denver Broncos. That is why this deal happened. And for Denver, uh, they have really spent, uh, they have really spent the last several years trying to find a quarterback uh, ever since Peyton Manning, really. They, they got one. So, said Ian Rappaport of Russell Wilson, quote, he wanted to go to Denver. Russell Wilson wanted to be a member of the Denver Broncos. That is why this deal happened, end quote. To those disputing this notion of Russell Wilson having preferred the Broncos over the commanders, I don't know how much clearer that can be put to you, okay? What Ian Rappaport said in that cut that I just played for you. That's about as clear as clear can be. Russell Wilson preferred the Broncos over the Commanders. So this needs to be understood in terms of why didn't the Commanders make the trade for Russell Wilson? Hey, the Commanders tried. They clearly tried. They clearly made a very aggressive offer, if not offers, for Russell Wilson. But Wilson preferred the Broncos over the Commanders. So what are we to make of that? as Commanders fans. How are we to take that as Commanders fans? Well, that is humbling, okay? (laughs) I mean, there's no doubt about that, okay? That is a sign of, we may think that our team is attractive. Ron Rivera may think that the Commanders are attractive, but a guy like Russell Wilson finds a team like the Broncos more attractive. Again, doesn't mean that Russell Wilson can't stand the Commanders, okay? Doesn't mean that he, like, finds the Commanders to be repulsive, but it does mean that he doesn't find the commanders as appealing as we wish that he did. 
I do believe that the commanders made a very strong offer for Russell Wilson. He just didn't want to come here over going to the Broncos, and the Seahawks preferred to trade him to the Broncos instead of the commanders. So in that way, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks were in alignment. So now what? Well, to me, the commander's quarterback focus now really does become about the 2022 NFL draft. Now, if along the way a chance for the commanders to trade for an obvious franchise quarterback comes up, great. If trading for Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson becomes more viable, then great. The commanders should be all in. If somehow contract extension talks between the Las Vegas Raiders and Derek Carr break down and trading for Carr becomes a possibility for the commanders, then great. The commanders should be all in. Uh, I am not against the commanders signing a free agent quarterback like a Mitchell Trubisky. I am not in love with the commanders giving up assets in a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo or Carson Wentz, but you can go ahead and sign a free agent quarterback as NFL free agency truly gets going next week. But I want the focus for the commanders to be on the draft. Again, barring something like a Deshaun Watson or a Derek Carr becoming ultra viable. I want the commanders to be focusing on taking the quarterback who they like the best in the 2022 draft, whether that guy is Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett or whoever. As I said earlier in the show, the commander's best, most ideal path to a franchise quarterback is via the draft. That way you get a guy who is young, you get a guy who is hungry, you get a guy who has major upside, you get a guy who has little mileage on his body, and you get a guy on a rookie contract. I have been saying this for a while. If I could script how this commander's quest for a franchise quarterback goes, I would script it so that the commanders get their franchise quarterback via the draft. And while, yes, it does sting that it was the Broncos and not our commanders who on Tuesday agreed on this mega trade for Russell Wilson, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, this is what is best for the commanders. Maybe just maybe giving up the truckload of assets that the commanders would have had to have given up for Wilson and were willing to give up for Wilson would not have worked out for the commanders. And so maybe the commanders are better off with Wilson having not preferred them over the Broncos. Uh, One more thing. So with the Packers now retaining Aaron Rodgers, the name Jordan Love has come up for the commanders. Should the commanders try to trade for Jordan Love, who almost certainly could be acquired on the cheap? Is there love for love from the commanders? You can always email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Joe. Now that Aaron Rodgers is signing an extension, it would appear Jordan Love will be available to the Durs. Uh, I imagine he would garner a third round pick, which maybe could turn into a second rounder if he plays a certain number of games. What say you? Uh, Well, look, I like the thinking of try to get someone who can be had on the cheap and get someone who is talented enough to at least have been a first round pick in an NFL draft. But here's what I say about Jordan Love and the Commanders. If they, for whatever reason, really like Love, fine, trade for him. But to me, the fact that the Packers have bent over backwards over the last 12 months to placate Aaron Rodgers tells you everything that you need to know about Jordan Love. He is not developing. He is not working out. Remember, the Packers didn't just spend a 2020 first round pick on Love. The Packers traded up in the first round of the 2020 draft to take Love and did so while Rodgers was still their quarterback. The Packers trading up to take a quarterback in Love is what set off Rodgers to begin with. And that the Packers have so little faith in Love two years later that they're potentially going to be giving Rodgers $50 million per year says a lot. Now, yes, uh, that does say a lot about how good Aaron Rodgers is, and he is uh, not only good, he is great, he is an all-time great, but that also says a lot about how not ready Jordan Love is. Did you watch that game that Jordan Love started for the Packers at the Kansas City Chiefs this past season? Uh, I happened to watch that game. Jordan Love was not impressive in that game. Uh, This past November 7th, a 13-7 Packers loss at the Chiefs. Jordan Love for that game had a total QBR per ESPN of just 27 
1.9. He did not look the part. And I get it. I mean, that's just one game. You're not going to pass full and definitive judgment on a guy based on one start. But we have seen others in recent NFL history get called upon to make an emergency start and look a lot better than Jordan Love looked in that game. See Taylor Heineke, a.k.a. Tay-Tay, in the Washington football team's loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field in the wildcard round in the playoffs that followed the 2020 regular season. Uh, Jordan Love just did not look ready. He did not look like he was good to go. And I thought that that performance was telling. You know, this Packers-Jordan Love situation is far from a Chiefs-Patrick Mahomes situation. You know, a situation in which the team loves the young quarterback, has faith in the young quarterback, and is willing to move on from the veteran quarterback as the Chiefs were willing to move on from, yes, Alex Smith, who was traded to, yes, the Redskins. So despite having just had the best season of his career. Never forget that. Alex Smith was traded by the Chiefs to the skins off Alex having been an MVP candidate for the 2017 regular season. This Packers-Jordan Love situation is the antithesis of the Chiefs-Patrick Mahomes situation, and that to me is a major red flag for any potential commander's trade interest in Jordan Love. Up next, the 10-year anniversary of the RG3 trade as we lament the commanders not trading for Russell Wilson. I have a few thoughts on a mega trade that did happen for the team now known as the commanders 10 years ago, a trade having to do with the draft in which Russell Wilson was drafted into the NFL. Uh, And among the things I want to get into, the eerie parallels between Mike Shanahan's first two seasons as Redskins head coach and Ron Rivera's first two seasons as Commander's head coach. I'll get to all of that after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Well, life is funny, isn't it? As we on this Wednesday, March 9th, 2022, are discussing the commanders having not made the blockbuster trade for quarterback Russell Wilson, who now is headed from the Seattle Seahawks to the Denver Broncos. We are talking on the 10-year anniversary of a blockbuster trade that did materialize for the team now known as the Commanders. Wednesday, March 9th, 2022 is the 10-year anniversary of the RG3 trade. It was on Friday night, March 9th, 2012, that the then Redskins agreed on a trade with the then St. Louis Rams. The Skins, via the trade, moved up from having the number six pick in the 2012 NFL draft to having the number two pick in the 2012 draft. And the Skins used that pick on a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback at a Baylor named Robert Griffin III. The Skins in the trade sent the Rams the Skins' first round picks in the 2012, 2013, 
and 2014 NFL drafts and the Skins' second round pick in the 2012 draft. The Skins got back the Rams' first round pick in the 2012 draft. I will never forget finding out about this trade as I woke up very early on Saturday morning, March 10th, 2012, to prepare for a Saturday morning radio show that I was doing at the time, Sports Saturday with Al Galdi. Uh, now, this was Selection Sunday weekend, and I remember thinking, hey, I'm going to talk a lot of college basketball on the show today. Uh, no, I put on the TV, and I was like, what? The Skins did what? Uh, and that was super exciting. I'll never forget my reaction to that. I was so pumped when I saw that the Skins had made this trade-up in the 2012 draft, and I ended up being the first person at the radio station to discuss one of the biggest and most controversial trades in Redskins history. Now, the purpose of this segment is not to rehash everything that went on with the Skins and RG3. That ground has been covered many, many times. Uh, I do, though, want to hit on a few things with you. So, first of all, one of the things that stands out about the RG3 trade, of course, is the high price that the Redskins paid in the RG3 trade. The RG3 trade featured the Skins moving up four spots in the first round of the 2012 NFL Draft by trading away three first-round picks and a second-round pick. The price that the Skins paid in this trade to move up four spots in a first round, super high. And as the years have gone on, the price has continued to come off as super high. Take, for example, the Carson Wentz trade. So the Philadelphia Eagles, in order to move up from number eight to number two in the 2016 draft to take Wentz traded two first round picks, those in the 2016 and 2017 drafts, a second round pick in the 2018 draft, a third round pick in the 2016 draft, and a fourth round pick in the 2016 draft to the Cleveland Browns for their first round pick in the 2016 draft and a conditional fifth round pick in the 2017 draft. So let's just make this simple. The skins in the RG3 trade, in order to move up from 6-2 to two in the 2012 draft, gave up three first-round picks and a second-round pick. The Eagles in the Carson Wentz trade, in order to move up from 8-2 to two in the 2016 draft, gave up two first-round picks, a second-round pick, a third-round pick, and a fourth-round pick, and got back a conditional fifth-round pick. So the Skins to move up four spots to number two in a draft to take a quarterback gave up more than the Eagles gave up to move up six spots to number two in a draft to take a quarterback. Now, all of that said, I, as a Redskins fan, did not have a problem with the RG3 trade at the time of the trade. What I said the morning after the news of the trade broke was that obviously the trade needed to work, okay? RG3 needed to become a great quarterback. And I defined that at the time as RG3 within three years being among the top eight starting quarterbacks in the 32-team NFL. Uh, My take was, hey, if RG3 within three years is among the top eight starting quarterbacks in the 32-team NFL, then the trade has worked. If he became that, then the price that the Skins paid in the trade wasn't too much. And sure enough, RG3 in his 2012 rookie season was among the top eight starting quarterbacks in the NFL. RG3 for the 2012 regular season led all qualifying NFL players in both yards per pass attempt and yards per rush. That is spectacular. The trade was a smash hit. Now, then of course came the rest of RG3's tenure with the Skins, which we don't have to chronicle. But in terms of the price that the Skins paid to get RG3, I did not have a problem with that price then. And I still don't have a problem with that price now. Yes, it was an extremely high price, but there is no price that is too high to pay for a franchise quarterback. And RG3 reached the level of a franchise quarterback in his rookie season. And I do believe could have stayed at that level had he not become so, you know, full of himself and grown too close to Dan Snyder. Yeah, even with RG3's pension for injury, I do believe that he could have continued to be a very good quarterback for the Skins had his relationship with Mike and Kyle Shanahan not devolved the way that it did. But we do not need to go into all of that. Now, it's funny and at the same time quite sad that this 10-year anniversary of the RG3 trade is happening as the team that had been the Redskins, the Commanders, is once again looking to make a big trade for a franchise quarterback. And on Tuesday, unfortunately, did not make a big trade for a franchise quarterback 
in Russell Wilson. I mean, here we are 10 years later, and the team still is trying to solve a quarterback problem that has been going on for decades. RG3 was supposed to be a quarterback savior for the team, right? He instead came to represent the team's quarterback abyss. That's one of the uh, really unfortunate things about the entire ordeal. But you know, in thinking about this 10-year anniversary of the RG3 trade, do you know what struck me as much as anything? The many eerie parallels between the skins in March 2012 and the commanders here in March 2022. It really is remarkable when you think about it, okay? Each team in each month in each year had slash has an established head coach leading a coach-centric approach and seen as a culture changer, but who also was slash is going into a crucial third season as Washington head coach. I mean, these two things line up like almost perfectly. Mike Shanahan was the head coach for the Skins in a coach-centric approach. Mike Shanahan's official title with the Skins was executive vice president slash head coach. He, in theory anyway, had final say in Skins football operations. Didn't seem to always work out that way, but he was hired in January 2010 given final say in Skins football operations. And, you know, he was viewed as a culture changer. He was viewed as the complete opposite of the team's previous head coach, Jim Zorn. You know, Mike was this accomplished football mind, this accomplished NFL leader, a guy who had come to the Skins to restore order and sanity to the franchise. But Mike, in that 2012 offseason, was desperate for a franchise quarterback and desperate for a winning season off the Skins having gone 6-10 and in the 2010 regular season and 5-11 and in the 2011 regular season and having done so with some quarterbacks who, looking back on them, right, don't look so great in Donovan McNabb, Rex Grossman, and John Beck. Well, here we have Ron Rivera, right, the head coach for our commanders in a coach-centric approach. Ron has final say in Commander's football operations. He was hired in January 2020, 10 years after the Skins had hired Mike Shanahan. And Ron was hired, right, in no small part, to change the team's culture. Uh, That is something that he has talked a lot about. That is something that even Dan Snyder has talked about. But here we are now, Ron, in this 2022 offseason, desperate for a franchise quarterback off back-to-back losing seasons to begin Ron's tenure as Washington head coach. 7-9 in the 2020 regular season, which, yes, did result in an NFC title for Washington, and 7-10 and in the 2021 regular season. And Ron, over his first two seasons as Washington head coach, just like Mike over his first two seasons as Skins head coach, a parade of quarterbacks who do not look so great as things stand right now, right? Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taylor Heineke, and Garrett Gilbert. Some better than others, but, you know, nobody's looking at that as a murderer's row of quarterbacks. Uh, There are some other eerie parallels as well. For instance, Mike's first season as Washington head coach featured him having a deteriorating relationship with an established veteran quarterback in Donovan McNabb. Ron's first season as Washington head coach featured him having a deteriorating relationship with an established veteran quarterback in Alex Smith. How about this? Uh, Each circumstance included an oft-criticized offensive coordinator who was the son of an NFL head coach and who had had very mixed results. Kyle Shanahan, right? The Skins' offensive coordinator in that 2012 offseason. Scott Turner, the commander's offensive coordinator right now. Uh, Kyle, of course, the son of Mike Shanahan. Scott, of course, the son of Norv Turner. Uh, Each circumstance for our franchise featuring a veteran defensive coordinator who had had no previous working history with Washington's head coach and whose first name begins with the letter J. How about that? Jim Hazlitt was the Skins defensive coordinator in the 2012 offseason. Jack Del Rio is the commander's defensive coordinator right now. You also have this, a front office that included a veteran high-level executive or veteran high-level executives with ties to Redskins past and also mixed NFL executive track records. Bruce Allen, right? The Skins executive vice president 
slash general manager in the 2012 offseason. Brucey, of course, the son of legendary former Skins head coach George Allen. And in the now, we have Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney. Martin Mayhew is the commander's general manager. He was a cornerback for the Skins, 1989 through 1992. Uh, Marty Herney is the commander's executive vice president of football slash player personnel. Uh, he worked as the Skins director of public relations. He took on that role beginning in, in April 1988. So a lot of eerie parallels. The Redskins at the time of the RG3 trade in March 2012 and the commanders right now. The more that things change, the more that things stay the same. Because the bottom line is uh, the skins in March of 2012, the commanders here in March of 2022, still looking for a franchise quarterback. Uh, Here's one more thing on this 10-year anniversary of the RG3 trade. What the Redskins, to me, never get enough credit for with that 2012 draft is taking a quarterback later in the draft. Maybe the ultimate irony of the RG3 trade is that Robert Griffin III ended up not even being the best skins quarterback taken in that 2012 draft. That guy was Kirk Cousins, who the skins took in the fourth round of the 2012 draft at a Michigan State. Kirk was a Mike Shanahan pick. A lot of people were outraged at Mike for taking Kirk, believing that, you know, this was like unfair to RG3. I remember the anger that a lot of people had about Mike taking Kirk in the fourth round of the 2012 draft. Heck, Kirk, by his own admission, was not thrilled about being taken by the Skins. But here's the truth. Mike taking Kirk in the fourth round of the 2012 draft proved to be a stroke of brilliance, okay? Kirk was RG3 insurance, and Kirk ended up being the Skins starting quarterback for three seasons, right? 2015 through 2017, including playing at a high level in those 2015 and 2016 seasons. Remember what Mike once said about Kirk on the Team 980. Kirk Cousins is a freaking football player. Yes, Kirk Cousins is a freaking football player. I love that cut from Mike. Look, forget about where you stand in the Kirk debate. We all would agree, right, that taking him in the fourth round of the 2012 draft. Looks very smart in hindsight, right? Well, that to me is an example of a volume approach at quarterback. And that is something that I am advocating for our commanders to do this offseason if they don't trade for that obvious franchise quarterback. You know, sign a Mitchell Trubisky or a Marcus Mariota or whoever you like in the veteran free agent quarterback market. Draft a Malik Willis or a Kenny Pickett. Keep Taylor Heineke and just see what happens. Bring in a veteran quarterback with potential upside. Draft a quarterback who you believe possesses major upside. You still have Heineke and just see what happens. You know, this is not unlike what ended up happening with the Skins, with RG3 and Kirk. See who stays healthy. See what develops. Have multiple plans. Because as the saying goes, the best laid plans often go awry, as we saw with the RG3 trade. Well, Tuesday was not a great day for our commanders, but Tuesday night was a very good night for the Capitals. The rise of the Caps continued. The Caps began a three-game trip through Western Canada with a 5-4 win at the Calgary Flames late night on Tuesday night. That's a good win for the Caps. The Flames are first in the Pacific Division. The Flames came into the game with a home point streak of 13 games. The Flames are one of the best teams in the Western Conference this season, and yet the Caps won at the Flames on Tuesday night. So nice job by the Caps. Caps now have won three consecutive games with each win being a regulation win. Caps now this season are 31-18-9, have 71 points, and the Caps now are just two points behind the Boston Bruins for the top wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference. And the Caps now are 12 points ahead of the Columbus Blue Jackets for the second wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference. Just the top two wildcard teams in each conference will make the Stanley Cup playoffs. A big night for Alex Ovechkin on Tuesday night. He had two goals and a team-high tying six shot attempts. Ovechkin had a second-period even-strength goal and a third-period even-strength 
empty net goal. So, two more goals for Ovechkin mean that Ovi now has 766 career regular season NHL goals, tying ex-cap Yaramir Yager for the third most regular season goals in NHL history. Ovechkin continues to climb that all-time goals list. Wayne Gretzky is number one. Gordie Howe is number two. And Ovechkin and Yager now are tied for number three. Here was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his post-game session with reporters late night on Tuesday night on Ovechkin. Yeah, well, I mean, it's if, if you, you know, everybody's watched him play for so long and his talent is unbelievable. Um, his ability to score goals and shoot the puck is unbelievable. And um, to watch him climb the ladder, to be a part of it, like, you know, the, everybody sees it, but to be a part of it on the inside um, as coaches in an organization, teammates, fan base, it's pretty cool to have something like that happen. And, um, you know, it was nice that he was able to get a couple tonight. Yes, it was nice. Uh, Alex Ovechkin now this season at number four in the NHL with 36 goals and number eight in the NHL with 70 points. So this was a milestone night for Ovechkin in terms of goals. This also was a milestone night for Ovechkin in terms of games. This game marked the 1,000th career regular season game together for Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom. Uh, They became just the ninth set of teammates in NHL history to play in a thousand career regular season games together. Now, also regarding Ovechkin and other players on the Caps, was the Caps earlier in the day on Tuesday putting out a statement? Uh, The statement comes off continued criticism of Alex Ovechkin over his past support of Russia President Vladimir Putin and off the Russia-Ukraine war, which continues. So the Caps, of course, have other Russian players on the team. You think of Genny Kuznetsov, you think defenseman Dmitry Orlov, you think goaltender Ilya Samsonov. Now, it is not a coincidence that the statement came out just hours before the Caps began a four-game Canadian road trip. Canada is home to nearly 1.4 million people of Ukrainian origin. Uh, That is the largest population of Ukrainians in the world outside of Ukraine and Russia. Uh, Read the statement, quote, Monumental Sports and Entertainment and the Washington Capitals join the National Hockey League in condemning the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the loss of innocent life. We urge and hope for a peaceful resolution as quickly as possible. The Capitals also stand in full support of our Russian players and their families overseas. We realize they are being put in a difficult situation and stand by to offer our assistance to them and their families, end quote. Uh, I thought that that was well put by the Caps. Uh, A few other things from the Caps' 5-4 win at the Flames late night on Tuesday night. Defenseman Nick Jensen had three secondary assists in the game. Vitek Vanacek was the Caps' starting goaltender for a third consecutive game. Now, Vanacek did cool off on Tuesday night. Uh, He had been playing really well. He did not play really well on Tuesday night. He stopped just 31 of the 35 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, Vanacek, per natural stat trick, allowed two goals on high danger shots on goal, allowed a goal on a medium danger shot on goal, and allowed a goal on a low danger shot on goal. Caps did get walloped in the puck possession battle on Tuesday night. They, per natural stat trick, had 45 on five shot attempts to the Flames 53, including just five high danger five on five shot attempts to the Flames 12. Uh, but the Caps on Tuesday night committed just one penalty. The entire game went 1-1 on the penalty kill. And so how about the Caps penalty kill right now? You know, we had been talking about how well the Caps power play had been doing. The power play cooled off on Tuesday night. Caps went 0-3 on the power play. But the Caps now have killed off 17 consecutive opposing power play opportunities and 25 of the last 26 opposing power play opportunities dating back to February 13th. And the penalty kill for the Caps is rolling despite a key penalty killer in forward Coral Haglin being out. Uh, Haglin is out indefinitely off having undergone left eye surgery on March 1st. He suffered the injury in practice on March 1st. Uh, Also still out for the Caps is forward Joe Snively. Uh, He underwent a left wrist procedure this past Sunday, was expected to miss four to six weeks. Next up for the Caps is a game on Wednesday night. Uh, the Caps will be at the Edmonton Oilers Wednesday night at eight. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me 
at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 268, will be a loaded show. I have a special guest, Commander's Insider Ben Standig of The Athletic DC. We are going to cover a lot of ground. Uh, ben on Tuesday did a lot of really good reporting on the Commander's attempt to trade for Russell Wilson. So we'll get into the why regarding the commanders not landing Russell Wilson. We will know our why, as Robert Griffin III told us years ago. Uh, Also, Ben was at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, so we'll ask him about the quarterbacks at the Combine. We'll preview free agency for the commanders as well, including, of course, what might be coming for them at quarterback. And I'll discuss some of the recent things that Ben has written about, among them that the commanders are seeking to renegotiate the remaining terms of Landon Collins' contract. Also on Thursday's show, I'll discuss a truckload of games on Wednesday night. Wednesday night is jam-packed. The Capitals will be at the Edmonton Oilers Wednesday night at 8. The Wizards will be at the Los Angeles Clippers Wednesday night at 10.30. And we have a bunch of conference tournament games in college basketball on Wednesday. Georgetown, which is the number 11 seed in the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden in New York City, thanks to going 0-19 in the Big East in the regular season, will face six-seeded Seton Hall Wednesday night at 9.30 or so in obviously what could be Patrick Ewing's last game as Hoyas head coach. Both Virginia and Virginia Tech will be playing in the ACC tournament at Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday night. Cavaliers are the number six seed. They will play on Wednesday night at 9.30 or so and will face Louisville, which defeated Georgia Tech 84-74 on Tuesday night. The Hokies are the number seven seed. They will play on Wednesday night at seven against Clemson, which defeated NC State 70-64 on Tuesday. Also on Wednesday night, Navy will play in the Patriot League tournament final. The midshipmen will play at Colgate Wednesday night at 7.30. The mids are in the Patriot League tournament final for the first time since 2001 Uh, Navy and I guess Longwood could be the only teams in the Mid-Atlantic region that make this year's NCAA tournament. Uh, Longwood won the Big South tournament. Longwood is in Farmville, Virginia. Uh, VCU and Norfolk State have decent chances of making the NCAA tournament as well, but Norfolk State needs to win the MEAC tournament. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. Kirk Cousins is a freaking football player.